The peace of Christ be with you. Give yourself the gift of about three deep breaths that you might be drawn into the presence of the Spirit, that you might fully arrive here. Friends, let us worship in beloved community. Standing or sitting, let us join in the call to worship. Our peace is in Christ. Our peace is within Christ. We light the candle of peace for Christ. seated. Welcome. Welcome to Worship at Westminster. It is good to be with you. If you're visiting with us, a special welcome to you. I do encourage you, if you're sitting here in the center aisle, to take that pew register during the offering and sign it, pass it down the aisle, pass it back. You can take a look at the names of people sitting near you. If you're new to our congregation and want to leave some contact information, it's a great way for us to be in touch with you later in the week. And then after worship, I invite you out into our patio area. We set up outside. We think it's not going to rain. So I invite you out there for coffee and tea and some snacks, chance to have more conversation with one another. Let's join together now in our community prayer. Let us pray. Peaceful God, we seek your true heart. We acknowledge that at times what we have perceived to be you has really been the worst projections of ourselves. We have been angry, and so we have made you angry. We have been spiteful, and so we have made you spiteful. We have desired revenge, and so we have made you bloodthirsty, unravel our twisted ways of thinking, that we might follow your thread of grace all the way to the manger, then birth yourself among us again. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet.
Amen. Friends, know that in Christ the light of God's love shines in us and among us. Know that in Christ we are forgiven and given strength to forgive. So let us give thanks that in Christ, Emmanuel, God is with us. Thanks be to God. Amen. As we continue in our time of prayer, uh, now is the time that you're invited to share with us. Share the prayers that are on your hearts and minds today, and then we can be in prayer together. Offer you, uh, you can just raise your hand and let us know. Hmm. Usually not so quiet. Yes, Carol. Well, I'll do a joy yeah. Yes. I won't say it as beautifully as you just did, but Carol said that every Sunday she sits and she prays specifically for three families she knows of who are in long-term caregiving situations and then was offering a more general prayer for the caregivers among us, such a difficult and important role in our lives. And then Carol also was giving thanks uh, for those of you who brought diapers. Um, as always, we continue to collect diapers that we then donate to the Canal Alliance. Others? Yeah, Forrest. Amen. Forrest, uh, giving thanks to our worship committee for our beautiful Advent decorations. And I also heard giving thanks to our Spiritual Life Committee who hosted our Quiet Advent series here in the sanctuary in Finley Hall last night. Others? Yeah, Suzanne. So prayers for Bonnie Herzog, who was a Westminster member until she moved to Colorado. She moved to be supportive of family, uh, but the transition is tough. So prayers for Bonnie. Yeah, Clark. Prayers of joy and gratitude that I know I share with half the congregation for the uh, uh, Lessons and Carols concert last night. Yeah. It's just wonderful for the, for the half of the congregation that didn't make it. Don't visit next year. <laughs> Clark offering thanks. Uh, at San Francisco Theological Seminary, they had their annual Lessons and Carols service last night, which was a beautiful time of music and the spoken word. And it's just such a gift to have that seminary right there. So I do encourage you when you see events there being publicized to take advantage of that. Yes. Any others? All right. Oh, yeah, Scotty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Prayers for Iran and their morality police, toning it down, as Scotty says, yes. Let's have a few moments. Oh, there's more, there's more. Nancy. Yes. Prayers for those going through cancer treatments right now. Mm-hmm. Yep, Charlotte. Awesome. Lifting up uh, a joy of our Advent devotional series, A Word a Day, again on the website, on our podcast, on our Facebook page. Uh, hopefully, I'm glad to hear those have been meaningful for you. Yeah. Let's take a few moments of quiet. Certainly, we have a lot of prayers, those that we heard today, those continuing to be kept in our own hearts. Um, so we'll hold all of that in prayer, and then I'll lead us in the Lord's Prayer. So let us pray.
Loving God, in our time of worship together today, open our ears. Open our ears to the sound of your voice. Open our eyes to the brilliance of your presence shining in each new day. Open our hearts to the birth of your Son, the Prince of Peace, for whom we now wait. And hear us now, O God, as together we pray the prayer that your Son taught us, saying, Our As we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
invite any children with us this morning to come on down. Had a little trouble getting up after this, such a beautiful anthem. All right, nice to see you all. Welcome, welcome. Chose different paths, Deany girls. I understand. Well, good, nice to see you all. If you were here last week, you might remember what the first candle of that Advent wreath stood for. Does anybody raise your hand if you remember? It's okay if you don't. You don't remember? You didn't come. Okay, well. <laughs> Understood and noted. You were not here. <laughs> who, can, who can help us out? What was the first candle last week? Hope. hope. First candle was for hope. Now, harder question. Do you know what the second candle that we lit today was for? Did you hear it? Peace. That's for peace. That's the candle of peace. Now, sometimes when we think about peace, what we think about is what it's not. We think about it not being fighting, right? Not being hurt, hurting one another, not war, destroying, right? But what, what is a more positive definition of peace? What are the things that go into making peace? I started just a little list today, and I thought maybe something you could do was think about what kind of list you would build because throughout Advent, we're reminded each week of one thing God wants for us, to be hopeful and to be uh, peaceful. And you'll hear the other ones the next two weeks. So here's how my list started. Uh, one is to get along. So not just not to fight, but to actively get along. It doesn't mean covering over the problems that we have but to learn to work through them. I don't know if you've ever had a disagreement with a friend or a sibling or a parent, but to actually just work through what those are. Second, and this is similar to the first, it's to become a good problem solver. So we're going to have problems in our lives, but to learn to work through them, to actually try to solve them, which means sometimes talking talking about what you're feeling or experiencing, but also, and maybe even more importantly, listening to the other person or the other people. And here's, here's my third one. This is as far as I got. Helping those in need. Now, I wonder why I would say that as a, a tactic of peace. And the reason is because sometimes when there isn't peace, it's because someone or some people are so desperate they're so desperate, they act in such a way that gets people's attention. And one of the ways you can bring about peace is you can help meet people's needs so they don't feel like they have to act out in a way out of their desperation. So this week is peace. Last week was hope. Next week, you can come back and see what the third candle is. Let's say a prayer. Dear God, help us not only not to fight, but to learn to work toward peace with our siblings, with our families, with our friends, and with those people that it's difficult to be friends with. Amen. Now, our teachers back there, who are our teachers? Oh, great. Come on down if you'd like. We'll sing you out. Go now in peace. Go now in peace. May the love of God surround you everywhere. The first reading is from Isaiah 11, verses 1 through 10. Listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. 
He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the people. The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. I'll turn to the second reading in a moment, but I'll begin with the story. One that I may have told in here before, but I'll pair it with some different material. I was younger, and my brother and I were visiting our grandparents with our parents in the tiny rural town of West Virginia where they spent their whole life. It was for a holiday, Thanksgiving perhaps, or maybe even Christmas. And so also with us at the house was a man named Jimmy. Jimmy was a man a little older than my father and his brothers, had grown up in that town. Jimmy had what we would now call special needs. And at one point, we got into it, as brothers sometimes do. And Jimmy just looked at us and went like this with his fingers. And then he pointed and went like this. No more, he was saying to us. No more fighting. Peace. We light the candle of peace on the second Sunday of Advent. And in Advent, this season of preparation for Christmas, the birth of Christ, we return to these rituals and this music and the decor as a way to remind us what we're to be turning our hearts and minds to. And those time-honored traditions and decorations carry the meaning of the season forward for us. And... Sometimes the true meaning is lost in all of that. In all the familiarity, we can actually lose touch. Just as I've spoken here in recent weeks about how the culture kind of turns this, what should be a reflective and peaceful season, into this frenetic race where you don't have any time to get in touch with anything deep. Similarly, the culture has kind of co-opted Jesus, too, and perhaps not consciously, but there are those who have a stake in keeping Jesus quite narrow and saccharine. Really not much to offer other than to make you feel good inside, which is something, but it's certainly not everything. And so just as we need a reset from the kind of cultural way of observing the season, we need a reset in terms of understanding just who this Jesus was, and is, and what it was he was and is about. And one of the primary ways the early followers of Jesus understood him was through the texts from their tradition. The Hebrew Bible, which we rearranged into what we call the Old Testament. They expressed their convictions about him. They told stories about him by using those old words and said, this is the one that fulfills these words we've been saying about the one for whom we're waiting. So with that in mind, listen to this second reading from the 72nd Psalm. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. May the mountains yield prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people. Give deliverance to the needy and crush the oppressor. May he live while the sun endures, and as long as the moon throughout all generations, may he be like the rain, 
that falls on mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may righteousness flourish and peace abound until the moon is no more. Now that may not be what we think about at Christmas time. We get caught up in scenes at the manger, scenes on the Hallmark Channel, but that's not quite the material of the prophets that people who followed Jesus the earliest pointed to. He was the establishment of a new way of being, they believed, on earth. Not just a personal change, but a communal change, a whole new value system and a way of relating. I'm keeping my notes because I'll point to a number of texts to support this. And at the center of it, is justice. That's at the center of it. It names twice in there, the poor, the needy, just in that one reading, but it's just all over the prophets. And that's how they understood Jesus. The, the oppressor, unfortunately, won't be lifted up like the needy. They will be brought down, crushed even, says the psalmist. Some people are taken a little back by when they hear words like this during Christmas. Uh, this is Unseemly for this time of year, but no, actually, this is precisely the point of this time of year. Uh, uh, hymns sometimes grasp our attention. Similarly, next week we'll sing the Canticle of the Turning, number 100 in your hymnals. It's this great Irish tune. And listen to its words. From the halls of power to the fortress tower, not a stone will be left on stone. Let the king beware. For your justice tears every tyrant from his throne. The hungry poor shall weep no more for the food they can never earn. There are tables spread, every mouth be fed, for the world is about to turn. My heart shall sing of the day you bring, let the fires of your justice burn. Wipe away all tears, for the dawn draws near, and the world is about to turn. That is straight out of the prophetic tradition, straight out of scripture, the images used there. Again, though, not always something we associate with this time of year. Here again, the words of the Magnificat, a text we'll read and worship next week, the words that in Luke's gospel, Mary sings when she learns of her divine pregnancy. What does she say? My soul magnifies the Lord. My guess is you know that part. We tend to stop there. But she goes on. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts, brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly and filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Finally, listen to what God unleashes in the prophet Isaiah, which you uh, heard some earlier. See, see, a theme similar to the psalm I read shall strike the earth, this one, with the rod of his mouth. Jesus doesn't just say warm, fuzzy things. And with his breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. Always good when you get a passage about loins in the Bible. <laughs> but these are fighting words. I mean, they're literally fighting words. It's hard to read them and not get fired up and get a little bit worked up. And I haven't even touched on, nor will I, John the Baptizer, who frankly is a little unstable if you take him at face value. He is really fired up and promises fire when the Messiah comes in fullness. But if you know anything about the people who follow Jesus and their ancestors in the world they faced, in their place in the world, you can start to understand how they would get fired up, having been kicked around and exiled and enslaved and persecuted and on and on. And frankly, looking around at our world, we may not be in that position, but there is that level of injustice happening throughout the world. And it's easy, if you pay attention, to get fired up about that as well. I remember a folk singer I used to love in college had a lyric that went like this, if you're not angry, you're just stupid. <laughs> or you don't care. How else can you react when you know something's so unfair? 
The men of the hour can kill half the world in war and make them slaves to a superpower and let them die poor. It's always, if you pay attention, this force that stirs you to be uncomfortable with what is and to clamor for what could be. When you look around at the world and some of the enormity of the challenges, maybe some small scale in your own life, but in our larger life, Two reactions I find often settle in. The first is anger, to which I've given voice already. It's easy to get angry about what we see. And the other is to be resigned, to get depressed by it. Unable to move or think or imagine a hopeful or a peaceful way forward. And wouldn't you know, both of those reactions, both of those sentiments have a place in Holy Scripture. And they have a place in the life of faithful people. It's just not a permanent one. Meaning the point is not to either suppress those feelings because you think they're dirty or off base or somehow mean you're a failure, nor to just pretend they're not there altogether and brush over them, because that actually leaves you stuck in them, because they'll just boil up and they'll be louder and louder till they get your attention, usually in an explosion of sorts. But rather, remember what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, transformation is always happening. Transformation wants to happen. So our task is to join in with those feelings, attend to them, let them be our teachers, and walk with them to a more productive place to create a flow that has the potential to actually nourish the world, to bless the world, to bear fruit, rather than just burn all our enemies and ourselves in the process to a crisp, which is the temptation when that fire gets burning, to just burn it all down. Remember where we met God, out in nature. So whenever somebody says, well, I find God in nature, well, we do too. It's where we first met God, out in nature, and the bush was on fire. But the fire was not consumed. It's about taking a destructive kind of fire and channeling it into a productive, constructive, and fruitful kind of burn. I came across a fascinating observation this year. It was uh, by a Catholic theologian named James Allison, who's a gay man. I mention that only because we should remember that Religious people and leaders come in all sexualities. But also I mention it because I think his particular area of interest grows out of his experience as a gay man in the church. Since we've told those folks in so many ways over the eons that they will be subject to God's wrath. And that's his area of interest, God's wrath. Not in receiving it, but in trying to understand it. Which is a fairly good question. A number of you have asked me that question over the years. What do we do with this angry God that we seem to see show up in Scripture? And by extension, what do we do with our own anger and our own desire for wrath? And Allison made an interesting observation. He says, Advent is actually a clue to what we do with that. He makes an observation about the assigned readings that come up every year during Advent in the church if you follow what's called the lectionary. And this is what he says. What's nice about the lectionary cycle in Advent is that it begins with these foreboding passages that appear to be violent in what they promise. And it gets less and less violent throughout the season and ends in something wholly unremarkable birth of a baby. What could be less violent than that? Advent, says Allison, is the undoing of wrath. The assumption that if God is to arrive, it's going to be wrathful. Even John the Baptist thought it would be. It's the realization that in God there is no wrath at all. In fact, all the wrath is ours, and we're pretty good at it. That pattern somewhat holds if you look at those texts. And how could you argue with the notion that what comes at the end of the season is the opposite of wrath? That through Christ, in Advent, we see God releasing wrath. Not unleashing it, releasing it, letting go of it, 
And instead of wiping everything out, saying, instead, take this, this incredible act of mercy in the babe, who didn't shy from experiencing violence and suffering, but refused to inflict it back on others. I've heard wrath talked about by other theologians that you, when you see it in scripture, it's not actually God's wrath. Those are natural consequences for human destructive and violent behavior and exploiting one another. What happens feels like wrath from above, but it's only wrath that we have conjured with our own conduct. If you stay with the text, they don't stay with the wrath. They allow it to transform into something more fruitful and productive, a vision of how it should be if we learn to treat each other the way God would have us. For where does Isaiah end up in that passage? You heard it a moment ago. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the kid. The calf and the lion, the fatling together. The little child shall lead them. Even that hymn I quoted, the Canticle of the Turning, it continues, though the nations rage from age to age. The nations rage, not God. We remember who holds us fast. God's mercy, God's mercy must deliver us from the conqueror's crushing grasp. This saving word that our forebears heard is the promise which holds us bound till the spear and rod can be crushed by God who is turning the world around. At the end, the only one who's taking a beating is the spear and the rod. Mind the depths of your anger, of your depression, of your sadness, of your mourning, because there's a teacher in there for you. And then join with it and with the Holy Spirit and move toward a place where those can be turned into forces for blessing and healing and establishment of the peaceable kingdom. Another story about two brothers, not about me. More recently, right here, during a time of discovery, either Bethany or Jeff leading, I don't recall, and the two brothers came down over here and sat down next to me, but even closer to one another. Touching even, I think. And at one point, the younger brother, I think, I don't recall which one, turned to the other one and kissed him on the cheek. Advent is the movement from this to this. Amen.
You may be seated. As we prepare to come here to the Lord's table, we're reminded that all are welcome. All are invited to share in this meal together. So when the time comes, the ushers will direct you uh, to come down the center aisle, take a piece of bread from the plate, dip it lightly in the cup, and that way you can partake of the elements together and then return to your pews by the side aisle. There will be a plate in the center with gluten-free crackers, if that is important to you. Rob and I will stand here uh, at the sides. If you desire a time of additional prayer, we will be here for that. There are a couple of hymns listed in the Lord's Supper box in your bulletin. You're welcome to sing along as we join in communion together. Now, Jesus invites us to come to the table in peace. So I invite you, as you are comfortable, to stand and share the peace of Christ with one another. Friends, as the prophets proclaim, this is the joyful feast, and they shall come from north and south and east and west to sit together at table in God's kingdom. So with that hope, with that inspiration, come to this table in anticipation. Will you join me? God be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to God. Let us pray. Blessings be to you, Creator God, who in the beginning brought light and life to the world. Over the ages, you have called your people to embrace your hope and share your love. Even when they have closed their ears, you have not stopped calling. You sent prophets and messengers to your people, reminding them of the promised time of peace and justice. And then, You came to a young woman named Mary and laid out the promise in a new way, promising her a son who would be called Jesus, promising that through her son the world would be changed. And now as we prepare for that child to be born, we echo the ancient cry, Come, O come, Emmanuel. Come into our hearts. Come into our lives. And so hear us now as gifted by the presence of your Holy Spirit, We offer ourselves to you, uniting our voices with the entire family of your faithful people everywhere. Friends, on the night of his arrest, Jesus took bread, and after giving thanks, he blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, and he said, This is the cup of the new covenant which is sealed in my blood. It is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink of it, he said, remembering me. This is the feast of God for the people of God. Come, for all things are now ready.
Let us pray. Holy One, for your promise of peace we give thanks. For the invitation to join you in the river that flows toward it, we praise your name. Having been filled with abundance and mercy at this table, let us go out into the world and share of it liberally in your name. We pray these things and we pray all things in the precious name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. Our closing hymn is not yet. I almost did it. You, you even prepared my prop for I me. I did prepare I your prop, and then I prop. promptly didn't let you use it. <laughs> so next week, December 11th, is um, the retirement of our beloved Sexton Jesus Posada. Uh, we're going to celebrate him both during worship at 10 o'clock as well as with the reception after worship. Um, if you would like to bring him a card, uh, we have this basket here. Look, it already has a card in there. Um, if you have one today, you can leave it in the basket. We'll put it out um, by the coffee, or you can bring one next week. If you're not going to be here next week, if you'd like to drop one by the office during the week, you're welcome to do that. Um, cards. Some of you have uh, um, asked about a gift. Um, if you would like to offer him um, a monetary gift, you can include that in your card. If you're writing a check, please make it to Jesus directly. Uh, don't make the check to the church. Um, but this will be here outside and throughout the week if you would like uh, to, to bring a card uh, for Jesus. Second, a huge thank you to our nominating committee who has been working hard all fall. Um, we have found all of the elders we need for next spring. We have found all but one deacon that we need for next spring. So you know what's coming next. If you are interested in serving as a deacon, uh, let us know, or um, let Lucy know. I think I saw Lucy here somewhere. Yeah, there she is right there, one of the co-chairs of our nominating committee. Uh, we're still looking for one deacon, a great way to serve the church. In addition, we're looking for a few people to be on our financial review committee. Um, it's a limited scope of work, um, but if you're comfortable um, sort of looking through numbers and just reviewing our finances from the year, looking for a few folks on that committee as well. So see us if you have questions about that. Um, as you leave um, in the narthex, we have boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes of COVID tests. Um, they were offered to us free as a nonprofit organization. So if you need some for your household, um, take them. They're yours to take. Take as many as you need. You'll see them as you leave. Um, finally, uh, as you leave, if you're going this way, you'll notice all kinds of fun is about to be happening in Finley Hall. Um, our middle and high school youth are hosting an event for our younger children. Um, so enter at your own risk. Uh, you're you're welcome to join in and see the fun that's happening in there. Um, but just a reminder, if you're a parent, that um, during while that is happening, there'll be some time here in the sanctuary to have conversation with Rob. So you're invited to that as well. All right, and now let us join in our closing hymn, either standing or sitting, number 87.
friends, as you go from this place, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, who is Father and Mother of us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you this day and every day. Amen.